All right, all right, all right, amen. Good to be together at the gathering tonight, yes? I don't know about you, but this whole Saturday thing, when I heard about coming in here on Saturdays, I was like, oh man, really Saturdays? I've never been to church on Saturdays, but this is really getting to be a thing. I'm just, I'm just loving it and enjoying it, and Lord, I'm thankful for the gathering. I'm thankful for people who are willing to take a risk, willing to sacrifice, willing to put hands to the plow, willing to feel the power of the Holy Spirit, empower them to live the Christian life and affect the community starting in our homes, amen? amen. Starting with our marriages and our families and our men as leaders. I'm thankful that that is the gathering and it's who we are. And church, I'm glad to be here tonight with you. You know, Pastor John just finished up a, a wonderful series, and he's going into the, is it, is it talking to the moon? Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to hear that, brother. That sounds fabulous. <laughs> that sounds fabulous. I haven't even heard the song that you based that off of, so that's, I, I can't wait. So that's coming up next week, church, and, and tonight there's, there's been a word that I, I think the Lord has laid on my heart that I'd like to share with you. I, I, I shared it with Pastor John, and we were going to do something else. And he said, man, I think you ought to give that a go. So this is what we're doing. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17 tonight. Anybody know what's in 1 Samuel chapter 17? David and Goliath, yes? Anybody heard of David and Goliath before? Come on, we got some Sunday school folks in the house. Man, I think I've heard that David and Goliath story, but I've been digging into this thing and, and just meditating on some of these principles and some of these truths that we find in 1 Samuel 17, and it has just been so encouraging to me and impactful to me, and honestly, I would love to do a 10-part series on this chapter sometimes. It's just so rich. So turn with me, church, to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to cover a lot of ground in the scriptures. You're not afraid of covering a lot of ground in the scriptures, are you? I mean, I, you, you, don't, you don't prefer the, the preacher does one little verse and then talks for three hours, right? We're going to do some scripture talking tonight, okay? So let's, let's jump in here at, at 1 Samuel 17, 1. Now, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. Verse 2 says that Saul... And the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. I'd like you to try just to get a picture of this. It's, it's typical when there's old school battles and things that high ground are the are the strong point, they're the vantage point. So both of these guys are, are on a, a, one of them is on a hill, Israel is on one hill, Philistines and, and Goliath are on a different hill. And of course, we have the valley that's in the middle. So kind of picture that scene as we continue to, to jump in here. So here's what happened in verse number four. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. I, I know that we're in America now and six cubits in a span. I, I had to look it up. Nine foot nine inches. Nine foot nine inches. You thought, you thought your giant was big. You thought your battle was hard, right? Nine foot nine inch guy. I can't even imagine 
what that would look like. I was talking to my friend Dave here, uh, Foldish, right? Dave, go ahead and stand up just a second, brother. I, I don't mean to put him on the spot, but look how tall, look how tall Dave is. How tall are you, Dave? Yeah, now, when I stand next to Dave, I mean, you can see that I'm a pretty big guy. I'm six foot four. I feel, I feel dwarfed by Dave at 6'6". Six, six. Yeah? Yeah? Who's 6'8"? Oh, you said 6'8". Yeah, see, I got to go get the hearing checked or something. Dave. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Goliath. So Goliath was, was nine foot nine. He had a bronze helmet on his head in verse 5 and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. You are not going to believe what 5,000 shekels equals in pounds. Does anybody want to take a, just a guess? Somebody shoot me a guess. 500? Oh, boy, you guys are really going for it. Somebody said 60, yeah. It's 125 pounds. Can you imagine putting a helmet and a coat and, a, and armor on that was 125 pounds. That didn't even count the shield. He had another guy who carried the shield for him. So this guy was huge, and he was ready for the battle, wasn't he? On his legs, in verse 6, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's 15 pounds. So the spear, now, now remember now, that's not the spear weighs 15 pounds. The tip of the spear weighs 15 pounds. So in order for it to be balanced, what does the rod have to be? 15 pounds, right? And now it's, now it's balanced and he can do it. And it was two and a half inches in diameter. So about that big. Could you imagine the hands of the guy and the size of this thing? He's ready to do some damage, church. That's the point. And then Goliath stood in verse number 8. And he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come up out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man. I bet he wish you could take that back. <laughs> Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were, they were not only dismayed, but they were also terrified. Terrified wasn't good enough to describe how the Israelites felt. Dismayed wasn't good enough. And in the Greek, the word very is in there too. It's very dismayed and terrified. This was an ominous, ominous thing that was happening. Join me in prayer as we... Seek the face of the Lord tonight. Lord, we are, we are humbled, God, to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, you're so good to us, Lord. Your patience, your long-suffering, Lord. Lord, we need you to fill this place tonight, Lord. There's somebody in here, Lord, that's hurting. There's somebody in here that's facing a giant bigger than Goliath, oh God. There's somebody that feels like they have 125 pounds on their back, oh God. 
fill your church tonight, Lord, with your presence, Lord. Because without it, we are nothing and we have nothing, oh God. Tonight, church, I'd like to speak on the subject of leaning towards Elah. Leaning towards Elah. Do you know that battles, struggles, fights, difficulties are often more inspirational to the people around you who are watching your walk and watching your fight than are your victories? Do you know that? That when they're watching you go through a difficulty, a storm, that is more inspirational than had you not. And it might even be more inspirational than going through it quickly or going through it uh, skillfully and getting the victory. When people see the struggle, they are built up in faith. When they see a saint that's full of faith, not perfect faith, church, you know, you know me, everything in my life seems to be hard sometimes. It's never, nothing is ever easy. But when they see us walking through these struggles and these difficulties, they are encouraged in their faith. Tonight I'm going to throw the big idea out to you very quickly, right up front. The big idea tonight is, is this. And if you don't hear anything, this is the thing you want to grab onto. Elah, Elah determines elevation. And here's what I mean by that. We got a picture earlier of the valley with Israel on one side, with the Philistines on the other side, with the valley in the middle. So if you picture the Philistines on this hill, then you have the valley, and you picture, and you picture Israel on this hill. Now I want to show you where the palace was. David wasn't a king yet. David was just a boy. David was anointed king, but he wasn't yet king. The palace was on this side of the Philistines, okay? So get a picture of that. Israel on this hill, valley, Philistines. In order for David to get from where he was to where he was destined to serve and to be and where he was called to be, he had to go through the valley. He had to go through Goliath. Anybody facing Goliath tonight? Anybody facing the valley of Elah, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I want to encourage you tonight that what God is doing in you, church, through the valleys that we walk through is greater than what's happening to you. What God is doing in you is greater than what's happening to you. So Eli determines elevation. Let's read on and see where we're going here. 1 Samuel 17, verse 16, it says this. For 40 days, Goliath kept coming out and saying the same thing. He came forward every morning and every night, twice a day, for 40 days. Verse number 17. Now Jesse, that's David's father, said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring me back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah 
fighting the Philistines. Let's look again at 1 Samuel 17, 26, a few verses later. So David does his thing. He runs down to the valley. He brings his goods, does what his dad told him, approaches his brother. His brothers were there. And he says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I love what David says here. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Boy, I pray that God would give me some sand like David when I'm facing the valley. Anybody need some sand when they're facing the giant? Where you can say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You don't belong here. Who do you think you are? How did David say that, church? Because he knew God. And he knew that guy could have been 19 feet tall. And it wouldn't have been a challenge. Who is this uncircumcised? I want somebody to hear tonight that God is on your side, and he dwarfs your valley of Elah. God is on your side, and he dwarfs your 10-foot giants. Church, I know that we're going through some stuff. You know, sometimes we do a disservice as preachers and teachers or even evangelists when we tell people, hey, come to Jesus are you lonely? Are you hurting? You're going through the valley? He's going to fix it. He's going to make it all better. You know, sometimes you got to go through the valley and you got to feel some pain. You got to take some risk. You got to go down to the stone and get some, you got to go down to the brook and you got to get some stones, right? Sometimes you got to do some things to get where God has promised you you'll be. And there's not just a flight, church to get to all that God has promised us. We don't just jump on a plane when we come into the family and scoot right in over to the good life of living for Jesus, right? Am I in the right place? Sometimes it's difficult, it's hard, and we've got to get some sand, and we've got to know who our God is, church. That's where it starts. I want you to know that you need to know and I need to know God more because the deeper we know him, the bigger the giant we can slay. Church, with all of your knowing, with all of your searching, with all of your looking, seek God. You don't know how to seek God? You Get down on your face and say, God, I don't know how to seek God. Go on a walk, go on a bike ride. God, I don't know how to seek you, but if you'll teach me, I'll do it. Church, a little bit of faith will hook you up with a God that your giants will cower around. Will hook you up with a God that will fill you with the strength and the spirit to say, who is this thing? What is this thing? Why is it here? Lord, help us. 1 Samuel 17, 28. He says, so he comes in, he brings his cheeses and his stuff, and, and here he is, and he comes up to his brother, okay? Here's Eliab. I want to tell you something else. When you're going to the Valley of Elah, do you know that sometimes you have to fight other monsters before you even get to the real monster? 
Church, sometimes you gotta fight a lot of little battles before you even get to the one that's gonna take you where you're going. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised because what God is doing in you is greater than what's happening to you. Church, believe it because God is bigger. So when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking, we're in 1728, with the men, he burned with anger and he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few little sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I'm not going to enumerate all of the negative things that his brother said about him, but church, even your haters are gonna propel you to where you need to be if you believe in God. Your haters are gonna take you where you need to be in God because with that spirit of, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He's got one standing right in front of him. You know what David did? He didn't turn him, he didn't turn, and can I come down here just a little bit? He didn't turn and run away and go home to dad, did he? He didn't give up the fight and throw in the towel. Do you know if we do that, that we have to go back and fight that guy again. Church, how many of them do you want to fight? Do it one time and do it well. Do it well. Do it big. Take the javelin. Or as David did, he took his sword. He took his own sword from him. God will turn your enemies, your naysayers, and your haters into tools that will serve your well-being in the spirit of God. Church, don't get frustrated. I, I want to just get a little bit transparent. I have this, I'm always being very, very introspective, trying to just be the best version of me that I can be. And man, I, it gets tiring because, I, Pastor John, I didn't know I was so far away from the best version that I can be. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's why all of these giants and all of these Eliabs are, are coming at me because I've got so much, so much work to do. But, and what happens is I have these, I have these personality proclivities and, and they kind of lead me down this road of seeing the glass half empty, right? Anybody else uh, uh, once in a while struggle with that mentality? Don't raise your hand. Hope I saw you, Becky. You don't have to raise your hand. I know you, girl. You're all right. You're, you're on there. You, you got the spirit of God in you, girl. You're going through, right? Even when you feel the smoke of hell around you and you feel the flames licking at your feet, you know in whom you believe and whom you serve, and you're going through. So I had this, these difficulties, and I had some things that I had to face, that I had to deal with, that I did not like. Rub me the wrong way. Make me want to turn around and go the other way. It's not worth it. You know what happened? I lost my vision. I lost my vision. If you go into the battle and you don't have something bigger than the battle in front of you that you're fighting for, you're not gonna make it through, church. You might make it through, but it isn't gonna be what it could have been. You have to have vision that's bigger than the giant. Do you see that that's what David had? 
David had vision that was bigger than the giant that actually put gas in his tank and propelled him through to where he needed to be. Vision beyond the giant, and it's an important principle. And I want to just look very, very uh, quickly over at 1 Samuel 17, 33, 37. It says this, 33, 37. Because... Let me just give a little background. I skipped some verses there for people who aren't familiar with the story. What happened is the people were, David said, hey, I'm going to take him out. I'm going to get him. I'm going to be fooled with the spirit. I'm, I got the, the Lord on my side. I'm not afraid of the giant. Well, what happened? Everybody around David said, man, you can't go out there, dude. You're just a little, you're just a little guy. What, what are you going to do out there with this nine-foot giant? So he goes to Saul, and Saul's trying to put his armor on him and his give him his stuff, and it, and it doesn't fit. So here it is. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine. What does that tell you about where Saul was at? Half empty. Half empty, yeah. Who said that, girl? You get an A. You get extra credit, okay? <laughs> Come on. Saul, you aren't able... This guy was very dismayed and terrified. So it's no wonder he told David, you're not going to get it done. Church, don't believe the haters. If you've got something big burning in your heart, don't believe the haters. Because the bigger the vision, the more the haters. Oh my, 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 my. The bigger the vision, the more the haters. Don't listen to the haters. Look at the haters as just an escalator, right? taking you up because the valley of Elah determines the elevation. So David had this bigger vision that he was looking at and Saul was clueless. He was clueless, which is why he got replaced. And David was anointed king because Saul was clueless. You're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. So a lion and a bear, David has faced a lion and a bear. Went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised, there he is again. Boy, this guy knew who was going to win this fight before he got into it. Church, I want to be that guy. I don't want to be wondering, honey, honey, do you think we're going to make it through, honey? Man, I don't know. Hey, I'm talking to myself. I'm not making fun. I'm talking to myself. Sometimes my beautiful wife is it's just a little bit more level and a little bit more steady. And, and so, honey, honey, you think we're going to make it? You warn me next time. No half empty, right? Hey, Saul. Say, hey, Saul. What are you talking about? You know who you serve. Half empty, half empty. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. So he was able to look back. On his past victories, he was able to look back and he was able to see that God had not failed him. Church, and I'm going to tell you, I don't even know all your stories and I know that God hasn't failed you. 
God has not failed you. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, God has not failed you. Oh, tell him. Come on, tell him. That, that sounded like you didn't even believe it. You know how I know that God has not failed you? Because you're here and you still have time. Come on, church. Because he hasn't taken you out yet. Because the giant hasn't overcome you yet. Because the spirit of God raised you up when you had no strength left. And you're here. And you're seeking God. That same God, if you'll just trust him, will propel you to elevations that you know not of. And hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We're always fighting the clock, so. <laughs> this Philistine's going to be just like one of those guys because he has defied the armies. There he goes to vision now, right? It's not just about fighting a fight. He's not just going in aimlessly. He's got vision. He's got purpose. And that purpose propels him through that battle. He'll be just like one of them because he defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Man, we got to have some faith in God. God is bigger than the Philistine church, amen. You're going through, anybody going through? Anybody going through the battle? Anybody going through the, the valley? I want to tell you, you're just going through. Just going through, right? Just tell you, man, I'm going through it. Yeah, I'm going through it like this. This is how I'm going through it. I'm not going through it like this. We're going through, church, right? Is this how we're going through? Walking steady? And if you can't do it, there's somebody in here who can that you need to get in contact with because this isn't a solo sport. Church, this isn't a solo sport. You don't run in your bedroom or in your closet or, or in your car all by yourself. This thing is meant to be done together. And if you can't do it, if you can't do it, if you don't have it in you yet, if God hasn't spoken to you or given you vision yet, God has placed someone around you who has. Keep those eyes open, church. Keep that spirit open. Look for those people who have strength that you don't have. Look for those people who know God in a way that you, don't, that you don't know him. Hang around with those people. Don't hang around with those people who are telling you all the no stuff. Those are the haters. Anybody who's hating on somebody else, when you're not looking, guess who they're hating on? Huh? <laughs> I always get so worried when somebody comes to me and says, hey, man, I just... Brother, I just want to share with you a prayer request, okay? Um, Terry, I talked to her the other day, man, and she had a really bad attitude. And, yeah. I'm worried about that guy. Because when I'm not looking, he's telling somebody about my bad attitude. And I might have a bad attitude, but you know what? I don't have to keep a bad attitude, right? Do we have vision beyond Today, sometimes the valleys are deep. I, I look around this room and I know some of the struggles. And when I see the faces, my heart gets heavy because I know the struggles. Friends, I know the God in whom you have trusted. I know that he will, not only is he able, but he will see you through. Keep walking. Pastor John said one time, I, I don't remember when, it was something that really just stuck with me. Do the next right thing. 
Man, when it's dark around you and you can't see four feet in front of your face, do the next right thing. And the way it works in faith, God never shows you the whole path, ever. Sometimes he doesn't even show you the next step. It's like Abraham, right? Dude, leave. Leave all that stuff behind you. So he says, leave. And then he says, go to a place that I'm going to show you. He didn't even show him yet where he was going. He didn't even show him yet. He just had to start walking by faith. Church, when you don't see the path, when the path is dark, when you're blinded by the, the battle, when you're blinded by the sand and the smoke and everything that's going on in the Valley of Elah, know that God sees what you don't see, which is why we gotta be like David. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies my God? He's gonna show me the path. This is all about God. This isn't about good people who are great in faith or strong in faith or, or anything like this. This thing is all about the Lord. To get to the palace, David had to go through Elah. He had to. He had to fight several battles before he went to Elah, didn't he? He had to deal with his brother Eliab. He had to deal with the whole issue of the armor and, the jet and Saul's javelin and that, all of that. So he had to fight some things to go to where he needed to be. And in order for us to do that, church, we have to do the same thing. The vision and know whom we serve. Let's look now at 1 Samuel 17, 45. Now we're getting to um, the actual fight. 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 46, it says this. Oh, man. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. He knew whom he served. He didn't cower. He wasn't afraid. And think about the fact that all of the Israelites were, were looking, even Saul, the leader, they were looking at things in the flesh. They didn't see the spirit at all. And it's the thing I, I love about you, Pastor John. You're, you're always encouraging us to look beyond the tools of the flesh or of the, of the world and to see the bigger picture. First world problems, by the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that one. That was a good one. See beyond that struggle. See beyond that struggle. The name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Verse number 46 of 17. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Wasn't about him. Wasn't about how well he wielded the sword or how heavy his javelin was, and it didn't matter how big Goliath's javelin was. Today, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I love this guy. This guy's got some sand. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Look about the, at this figuratively as you speaking to the giant that's occupying your valley, to the giant that's coming out to you morning and night and taunting. The giant comes out and he's relentless. Man, we got something bigger that that fight is doing in us. You know, I just, I just love to exercise. Can, can you... Can you tell? Oh, he got it real fast, huh? 
Hey, what exercise, man? We, what is exercise? It's nothing but stressing those muscles, right? Stressing them, breaking them down, and building them up. That's what God is doing in the spirit through the valley. This is exercise that's strengthening your spiritual biceps. These things are exercise that are strengthening your legs and, your, and feet and strengthening you so that you can do the things that you need to do. But man, if we cower away from every fight and we run away because we got our feelings hurt. Oh, no, no, no. It's nice when I'm talking about David's trouble, right? We got our feelings hurt in church. Tell yourself first world problems. First world problems. Hey, the people over in India aren't worried about how they got their feelings hurt in church. First world problems. Amen. You know, we can get in the church focused on some of those, those wrong things. Man, if, if, if Pastor Gary would just do this, if Pastor Gary would just do that, if Pastor John or if, if this leader, if that leader, if they had this leader, if I got to do it, man, it'd all be good. Eh, not so much. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that I can be with you, church. You guys are are awesome. I, I just want to. I just want to say. I feel a, a kinship and a family spirit here that I don't think I've ever felt at any church. And see, that is a vision in me. Okay, do you, it's not easy to do the things that we do. It's no easier than the things that you do. What we have to do is hard. But that is a vision in me that God is bringing us somewhere. That God is assembling tools, and it's not just pastors. It's not just people with great experience or with great giftings. Pastor John could not do anything that he does without the many, many people that serve just as hard. Yeah, that's all right. Let's look at the the last verse. I know we're drawing near our, our time here. 1 Samuel 17. 48 to 50, okay? 1 Samuel 17, 48 to 50. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, Lindsay, I got to thank you for this girl. I, I don't know where you are, but look at what David did. The Philistine's coming to attack, man. If I'm that little shrimpy dude boy who's, who's got no armor, he's got nothing but a couple of rocks in his pocket, and I got this big giant running at me, what am I going to do? Most of the time, I'm talking like this. <laughs> look what David does, church. Look what David does. David ran quickly toward him. The big giant's coming at him, and he ran quickly at him because he knows in whom he has believed, and he knows in whom he served, and he knows that the God that started a good work in him will be faithful to complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus. And that God is your God, church. I want to encourage your faith. I want us all to have some David-like faith. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Don't hesitate. Reaching out into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine right in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. 
Church, I want to remind you of our big idea tonight. Elah determines elevation. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Elah determines elevation. Church, I want to just tell you this. Nobody knew who David was. Nobody even knew his name before he came. And, and you'll see if you read on in this chapter, after he slew the giant, everybody was asking, hey, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Whose father is he? Nobody knew who he was. But guess what? After he walked faithfully through the fire, everybody knew his name. Church, what God is doing in you is greater than what's happening to you. I want to encourage you tonight gathering that the same God that killed the lion and the bear and the same God that gave David wisdom over Eliab, the same God that showed him which stones to pick, the same God that told him, don't put that armor on, that's not your gift. That's not your calling. Man, that's our God. That's our God. And I want to dream big. Don't let the haters steal your dream. Don't let the valley deter you from the palace that's on the other side. You can't go around. You got to go through. And we got to run quickly to the battle because there is a world here in Surprise and there is a world right in our little circle in our homes, in our families that need to see us trust the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your goodness, for your grace, Lord. We're so thankful that you give us vision and you give us hope. And Lord, you give us strength if we'll trust you through all of our individual valleys. Help us, Lord, to see beyond the struggle Help us to trust you a little bit more. Lord, I just pray for the saints here tonight, Lord, that you would just fill them with your spirit, Lord. Help us to dig deep. Help us to dig deep, to, to, to send that well down a little bit deeper and get that cool, fresh water. It's not hard, Lord. It's hard, Lord. Sometimes we got to go through some rocks. Sometimes we got to go through some, some hard drilling. But, Lord, the fresh water is down there. Encourage your people, Lord, that this just isn't a thing that's happening to them, Lord, but something is happening in them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, the Lord, is, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is great. Let's stand tonight. We're just going to close tonight. And I just want to encourage you uh, once again that this place the gathering, the various pastors here. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is great. But I'll tell you what you will find. You'll find some people that believe in a God that's going through. Going through. Next week, Pastor John is going to tell us all about how we talk to the moon. Are you excited about that? Come on. Ray, I see you're shaking over there, man. Amen, amen. I... Hope to see each of you next week.
I want you to be blessed tonight. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be filled with faith in a God that's going through. Amen. We'll see you next week, church, in Jesus' name.